Alright, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fellow Trash Talkers, whatever time you are tuning in, I'm glad to have you on board once again. You are listening to Trash Talk with D-Bork, and I'm your host, Dave Bork. It is Saturday, the 24th of February, 2024, and this is episode number 20 of our NBA pod. Yep, we've finally made it to 20. (laughs) Thank you very, very much for coming along on this ride with us. It's been an amazing, amazing experience. It really has. And more importantly, we are finally done with the NBA All-Star break. Yep, the NBA is back. It returns. We're a day late when it comes to recording this due to some technical difficulties last night. Bit of a storm going down in Sydney. A little bit going down today as well. But we'll do our best to get through this NBA pod episode number 20. Right now, we're going to run through our playoff forecast. So we're changing things up a little bit today. We're not going to have any best of the best or time to take out the trash. We haven't had enough time for that, just given that the NBA has only been back for a day. Uh, so we're going to run through a playoff forecast for both the East and the West. We're also going to hit on some questions. We've got a few that have come through there. Thanks so much for sending those through at Trash Talk with D-Bork there on Instagram and TikTok. Much love to the lot of you. And we're also going to run through some best bets for today's play, NBA Saturday, oh, and also a little bit of a recap from yesterday. Thanks, Clay Thompson. <laughs> so why don't we start right now? Let's run through the Eastern Conference to get us started. Seeds 4 to 8. Look, we'll mention that the Boston Celtics are just runaway leaders right now in first position. They ain't getting caught. Second and third seed, which are the Cavs and the Bucks. The Bucks have a two-game deficit to make up on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They had a big game today against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They need to start making some moves. They really do, the Bucks. They're struggling a little bit, uh, especially the Cavs have kind of controlled that this season. They really have, but they are a team that can get things going for sure. They are. But... Let's get things started. Let's go to seeds four and eight. The New York Knicks at 34 and 22. So, so strong at home. The Garden is rocking. 19 and eight at home, but are only 15 and 14 on the road. So they really need to pick things up. They should, at the very least, get themselves a first round home playoff series, which is always awesome, especially at Madison Square Garden. When the Knicks are good, basketball is even better. So yeah, the Knicks at the very least going to finish with a four seed. They're definitely going to make a play for that three seed for sure, especially if they can get healthy. So if they got Jalen Brunson, good to go. Julius Randle, getting him back into the lineup is huge. OG Ananobi, just an amazing pickup closer to trade deadline. Then also made moves at deadline day for uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Detroit Pistons. And aren't those two guys just completely happy with that move? Because uh, to get out of the cellar dwellers of the Pistons to go to the Knicks, to give them a chance of making a big playoff push for sure is going to be enormous for this New York Knicks lineup. And whether or not Bogdanovich starts I think for this team is, is another thing in itself because I, th- I feel like you're going to keep DiVincenzo in that starting lineup he, he plays very well alongside Jalen Brunson again former college teammates at Villanova but Bogdanovich will finish games for sure he will he's just a, he's a sniper as is Alec Burks he knows his role very very well whether or not he finishes is another thing in itself but those two guys are going to control that second unit and keep the basketball coming for the New York Knicks. They really will. Yeah, but a big second half of the season for them in terms of just winning games on the road because they do want to make a push for that third seed overall. They're going to have to start winning away from the Garden. A team that's in a bit of strife right now is in fifth spot with the Philadelphia 76ers at 32-23. and 23. They're not that far back, but the Joel Embiid injury is just such a big thing. It really is. I don't know what this team's going to do because if they manage to slide back into that playing spot, could be trouble. 
It really could. I don't think Embiid comes back if this team just finds himself in a in a playing position. I feel like you sit him out, get him healthy. Who knows if he's even going to be playing the Olympics this year? I think if Philly has anything to do with it, they will not allow him to, especially if he misses the rest of this season for sure. Uh, I know it's going to give Tyrese Maxey fans uh, plenty to be excited about because this is his finish of the season. It really is. If you want to show that you can be a guy and you know keep Philly out of that playing spot and you know finish fifth or sixth, then He's in for a big payday here, would be for sure. But, yeah, I feel like if there's any team that's in a bit of strife uh, in this 4-8 to eight seeding, it is the Philadelphia 76ers. A team that's not in strife, and they will make moves, I think, in the back half of the season is going to be the Indiana Pacers, currently in six. They are 32-25, and 18-11 on their home floor, but similar to the Knicks, 14-14 and 14 on the road. And in a team that's going to be playing playoff basketball on the road, they need to start winning some games away from their home floor, they do. But they definitely are trending up because if you get Tyrese Halliburton healthy, which he is now coming off a, a great all-star weekend, you acquired Pascal Siakam in a in a trade there, I feel like that's going to be huge for this team. So that duo itself will win some serious games in the back half of the season, it really will. And Milwaukee are a team that do not want to be seeing the Indiana Pacers in round one of the playoffs. They really don't. They've, they've done a number on them this year already. So they want to be avoiding them at all costs for sure because, you know, at the end of the day, Indiana are just a team that defend all that well but neither do Milwaukee as of right now. So if those games can be any kind of shootouts, it's it's just not what you want to be involved in. It's not because, you know, Indiana at the end of the day are going to have nothing to lose. They won't. And, yeah, it's it's got a lot of Indiana Pacers basketball fans excited because they probably haven't been this good since the you know the days of Paul George when they probably should have won an NBA Finals, uh, but unfortunately kept them running into LeBron James and that Miami Heat team. In seventh position, yeah, both, I guess in seventh and eighth, you've got the Orlando Magic at 31 and 25 and the Miami Heat at 30 and 25. Orlando, ridiculously strong at home, 18 and 8, but awful on the road, 13 and 17. Miami, like we said, half game back of the Orlando Magic. I think Orlando just kind of see this as if they manage to win that Southeast Division, that's a huge, huge play for them this season. It really is. They're probably about maybe a couple of years off what they could get to, so they're probably ahead of it. And when you've got the likes of Paolo Banquero and Franz Wagner, Marco Fultz is playing some very good basketball as well. Jalen Suggs, an elite defender, and can knock down shots too. This team is trending in the right direction. I don't know about the Miami Heat anymore. Like They're always going to be thereabouts, I guess, in the playoffs. If the Boston Celtics play Miami again, it's probably not what Boston want, but they could very well be facing them because if, if the playing tournament did start today, you'd have Orlando coming up against the Miami Heat, and that's huge. It really is, especially with how good Orlando has been at home. I'd be taking Orlando regardless of the fact that they are a whole lot younger. Now that they've got Wendell Carter back at that five, he kind of helps when it comes to probably guarding against a guy like Bam Adebayo as well. It does. We're not going to bother mentioning 9 and 10 with all due respect to Chicago and Atlanta. They ain't scaring anyone. <laughs> They're really not. They're not going to be defeating the likes of Orlando or Miami. So I feel like the eight is somewhat wrapped up. It's just movements of seedings will have a whole lot to do with it. It will, for sure.
Let's go out west now, because the west is absolutely stacked. We're going to have to break this thing up between seeds 1 to 4 and seeds 5 to 10. Let's start with the Minnesota Timberwolves in first. Yep, the Minnesota Timberwolves, no one wants to talk about them, but they are just rolling. 39 and 16, an incredible 19 and 5 at home, 2011, 20 and 11 on the road, I should say. Great record, really is. The OKC Thunder, 38 and 17, 22 and 6 at home, 16 and 11 on the road. Then you've got the Clippers at 36 and 18, 20 and 6 at home. Semi-average, 16 and 12 on the road. Then the Denver Nuggets, the team that no one seems to be talking about. Last season's NBA champions, 37 and 19, 22 and 5 at home. We've always known that place to be an absolute fortress, but this team needs to be better on the road, 15 and 14. Two and a half games separate seeds, one, two, four. If you look at three of those top four seeds, all three Northwest rivals in that top four, which is pretty crazy. It really is. Similar to kind of what we just said about Minnesota, they are 19 and five at home. So they played 24 home games and played 31 on the road. That's a big gap. It really is. Most of these other teams have, you know, kind of had, you know, 27 or 28 at home and away. But Minnesota have a huge home stretch coming up. They really do. A seven-game homestand, and that favors them something severe. It really does. And if you look at it, they're probably going to be favorites in all seven, as long as they're healthy. They play the Milwaukee Bucks today. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites against them with no Chris Middleton. Then play the Brooklyn Nets, San Antonio Spurs, Memphis Grizzlies, Sacramento. Kind of gets a little bit tougher there. The Clippers gets a little bit tougher there. And then Portland. At the very least, you can probably see this team going six-and-one. Or five and two, and that's probably going to be good enough to to hold on to to first spot, I guess, after that stretch. So that is huge for them. They're just playing such good basketball. They really are. Anthony Edwards has been on an absolute tear this year. Carl Anthony Towns is playing some phenomenal basketball, especially coming off a fifty piece in the All Star game. I know that you can't really look into that too much, but he was having some fun with that and probably gives him something to I guess look forward to for the rest of the season. Rudy Gobert is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. But I think the key guy, key probably two guys outside of those three, you know, their other two starting starting players is Mike Conley and McDaniels. McDaniels is an, is incredibly important for them. You know, they missed him a lot back in the last season after getting hurt. So he will need to stay healthy for this team to, at the very least, win a first-round series because it's going to be tough. Once we mentioned seeds 5-10, to 10, they are going to have a tough first-round series against anyone they play. Whether they finish first, second, third, it doesn't matter. The West is just loaded. It really is. So let's go to seeds 5 to 10 now. <laughs> the New Orleans Pelicans are in fifth. No one probably saw that coming. 34 and 22, 17 and 10 at home, 17 and 12 on the road. The Dallas Mavericks are in sixth. 33 and 23, 18 and 13, 15 and 10 on the road. Kyrie Irving is enormous for this team. He's missed a lot of basketball this year, so that's a credit to them in terms of the position that they put themselves in. Because you think about it, outside of Luca, and as good as I guess Hardaway has been, there's no solid, solid guy that's going to get you a bucket. And Kyrie was phenomenal yesterday against the Phoenix Suns. He really was. Speaking of Phoenix, they're in seventh spot. Same record: 33 and 23, 18 and 11 at home, 15 and 12 on the road. The important thing about Dallas being ahead of them with the same record is that Dallas now won that season series with yesterday's win. So that was huge. It really was. The Sacramento Kings in 8th, 32-23, and 16-9 and nine at home. Light the beam is strong. On the road, though, that's the problem. 16-14. and 14. So this SAC team needs to be better on the road. They really do. And then if you look at 9th and 10th, you can't really put a line through them just given the star power 
on both teams. You've got the Lakers at 30 and 27. Very, very strong at home, 19 and 9, but they are abysmal on the road, 11 and 17. Golden State Warriors, who just defeated the Lakers yesterday, now pull within a half game of them at 28 and 26, 15 and 14 at home, which is rare for them because they're usually extremely, extremely strong, uh, and 13 and 12 on the road. But yeah, big win for them yesterday against the Lakers. I know LeBron James did not play, but at the end of the day, it's still it's a big time win. They do play each other twice more to finish the season, so that could definitely move things around, especially. If both teams probably finish 9 and 10, you'd like to think. I can't see them really getting up to that 7 or 8 mark, and I can't see Utah in 11th entering the conversation at all. They definitely would have been, but they decided to blow their team up. <laughs> yeah, those two teams are going to be jockeying for, I guess, that first home matchup in the play-in tournament, which is huge, because if Golden State do have home court, the Lakers are abysmal on the road. So you'd like to think that's... It's not so much a layup, but they'd definitely be favourites to uh, progress through to, I guess, the second knockout game against currently Phoenix or Sacramento, which is huge. But let's jump back up to the Pels now. So the Pelicans are definitely the surprise packet, and it's all going to come down to the health of Zion Williamson and keeping him away from the buffet, as Stephen A. Smith would say, and Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram's played a lot more basketball this year probably than in years past, but yeah, it's definitely going to come down to Zion for sure. But even as good as this Pels team has been playing, you look at it now and they finish fifth, you're going to fall into a matchup against either the Denver Nuggets or the Clippers. <laughs> That's tough. It really is. So it's tough sledding either way. I do feel like Dallas does jump them, though. I feel like they're the better team overall, or at least with superstar talk right with Luka and Kyrie. They're now on a seven-game winning streak after that massive win against the Phoenix Suns, and they were incredible, especially late in that game. Luca was so, so good. Kyrie was incredible in the first half. He had 17, he was lights out. Luca overall had 41, 9, and 11. He just continues to destroy this Phoenix Suns team. He really does. Kyrie finished with 29, 5, and 3. They're incredible to watch and they play at a very 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 fast pace and they've got you know perfect kind of i guess wing pieces or i guess guys who know their role the likes of josh green and Derek jones jr and tim hardaway if they're open shoot the ball they do it and do it well <laughs> phoenix to get out of the plane though you'd like to think it comes down to the health of bradley beal it really does he missed yesterday's matchup against the dallas mavericks but overall, this team just needs to finish games better. There was a stat that came out yesterday that they're almost one of the, I guess, the worst teams in the last quarter in terms of finishing games. This team should not be that bad. When you've got guys like the Slim Reaper and Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, you have guys that can knock down shots and win you games. This The offense should not be struggling. It simply shouldn't. And then you've got a, a great game playing big in, in Yusuf Nurkic as well. Eric Gordon can hit shots. It's 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 a head-scratcher as to why they are so bad at finishing games, but it's why they're probably in this position now in seventh spot. There will be a chance of obviously jumping back up, but it'll come down to finishing games and obviously the health of Bradley Beal for sure. And if you look at the Sacramento Kings in eighth, it, it is ridiculous, especially with their record. It does set up an incredible first-round series if they do manage to you know either get through the plane or potentially sneak out of the playing spot, which is every chance. They do need to be better on the road, though. They really do, which is probably huge, especially when it comes to the play-in. Like, as of right now, they'd be playing the Phoenix Suns, and then if they lose that, they'd go back home facing off against the likes of either the Lakers or Golden State, and especially coming off last year's 
NBA playoffs where you had Golden State defeating the Sacramento Kings in seven games at home. Steph Curry had a monster, monster night, so it took that, I guess, to knock him out. But I'd still favor the Sacramento Kings on their home floor this year. I feel like they've learnt of that. And there will be a chance of you know getting out of that and still a chance of beating the Phoenix Suns. You know, they almost knocked them off uh, a couple of weeks ago in Phoenix. So this is a very, very good basketball team. And there's two guys that have a chip on their shoulder with Darren Fox and DeMarcus Sabonis after missing out on the All-Star game itself. So, yeah, I, it's hard to see, I guess, it's hard to see this top eight missing the playoffs at all as good as, you know, the likes of LeBron and ADR and Steph Curry. It's hard to put a line through those two teams, but they do have to be a lot better. And like we said, the Lakers are abysmal on the road and they're going to have to go through that to make the playoffs at the end of the day and then have a first-round series against the likes of, you know, Mini, OKC or Denver or the Clippers. Good luck with that because they're, they're not good enough. They're really not. But, yeah, put a line through those two teams at your own peril. <laughs> It's going to be an incredible last last month and a half, two months of the season. It really will because there's five games that separate seeds five to ten, but there's only two games that separate seeds five to eight. There is going to be plenty of movement for sure. It's must-watch basketball now. This is the best part of the season, no doubt. But yeah, that is the playoff forecast right there. Let's run through now some question time. Thank you for sending those through at Trash Talk with Debalk there on Instagram and TikTok. We had a few coming through, so we got uh, we had an anonymous question to start us off. All right, so what do we got? It's actually OKC involvement here. Do you see Isaiah Joe or Gordon Haywood starting for Josh Giddy later in the season? No. <laughs> Quite simply, no. Josh Giddy is averaging 11.5, 6.5, and 4.5 assists this season. They're good numbers. He knows his role. He does, because Shea's numbers are off the charts this year, averaging over 30 a night and 6 assists a night and whatnot. Jalen Williams is probably the second option now. He's playing some incredibly good basketball and probably should be in line to win the most improved award. He should. And then you've got Chet Honger, and it's like that third piece. So Giddy's just the perfect kind of fourth piece, a guy who needs to consistently, I guess, knock down that corner three ball because he's going to get a lot of looks. He will. But he can also be that second or third playmaker that they need. He is. Whereas I don't think that he works as much off the bench. Because at the end of the day, even if you did have the likes of, I don't know, if, if it was Giddy and Isaiah Joe playing alongside of each other, could it work? Maybe. But I feel like you've acquired Gordon Hayward for a reason, and I think that is to control that second unit, especially when it comes time for the playoffs. He's a guy with plenty of playoff experience, and he would help those young guys like Joe and like Wallace and whatnot coming off the pine. And if he is to play alongside of you know Chet and whatnot as well, that would only help them. I feel like you need to keep him playing with the younger guys for experience alone to help this team get to the next level. And that is, at the very least, to, to win out the first round. You get, you should have home court again in the second round. And it's a it's a confidence thing, a momentum thing with with young teams. I don't. This team doesn't give me the vibe that they're going to be afraid of the moment. It really doesn't. They're a very good basketball team. They're, again, kind of similar to Orlando. They're, they're maybe a year or two ahead of their time. But... Shea's just playing on that kind of level that I don't actually think it matters who starts, whether it is Giddy or Joe or Haywood. I don't think it matters. Because as long as Shea, Gildas Alexander is playing at an MVP type level, this team has every chance of making plenty of noise come playoff time. And we know that their home arena is incredible. They're they're excited. They really are. They haven't kind of had this level of excitement since, you know, Westbrook and Harden and Durant days and whatnot. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. It will. 
Thanks for sending that through. Anonymous. <laughs> Let's go to at Chris underscore Lubick, big Miami Heat fan. Still disappointed that I guess they had Kyle Lowry for so long. <laughs> what event would you suggest to replace the dunk contest? Yep, as you know, in our last episode, we had the dunk contest in the trash. It was proper, proper garbage. So what are we going to replace it with? There's plenty to replace a lot with, I guess, when it comes time for All-Star Weekend, but a one-on-one tournament or a three-on-three tournament, three-on-three basketball has kind of overtaken the world. It really has. It's in the Olympics now. That would be awesome to watch. It really would. And kind of similar to, I guess, what the All-Star Game used to do when it turned, you know, when it came to drafting your teams in. You could just have some random players rather than three of the same players from the same team. I think that would be pretty cool to watch. It really would. It would almost be better than watching the All-Star Game, to be honest with you. Because imagine watching you know, Kevin Durant up against LeBron James in a one-on-one. <laughs> that would be awesome. It really would. So that's, yeah, I'd definitely be replacing that. And similar to what we're saying with the dunk contest, like you're just not getting those named guys anymore. All credit to Jalen Brown for going in it as an all-star. But if we're going to keep getting dished up with, I get his one back-to-back, but Mac McClung and, you know, Jacob Toppin, with all due respect to these guys, they're great athletes. But it, the dunk contest is just not what it used to be anymore. It's not Zach Levine versus Aaron Gordon. It's Jacob Toppin versus Jaime Harkes. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's not it. So yeah, I'd, I'd be going down the one-on-one or three-on-three route for sure. But thanks for sending that through, Chris, and good luck for the rest of the season with your Miami Heat. Now we get a question from at Albatross Barbecue. Do yourself a favor and check out that because they can definitely cook some meats for sure. What's he got? Uh, what's a couple of storylines you'll be paying close attention to as we head into the last third of the season? I think first and foremost is the Joel Embiid situation in Philadelphia. If they continue to slide, I can't see him playing at all. And I guess it's a storyline after the season, given the Olympics is only you know a month after the NBA season finishes, what Philadelphia do with him in terms of allowing him to play for Team USA or not. If I'm Philadelphia, I'm not allowing it. No way. You can't sit out for you know, three months of the season just to go play over in the Olympics and then do some kind of further damage to, to yourself. No way. So yeah, I'm definitely watching Philly tight. They've, they've got some money in the offseason. They really do. So they are a team to watch for sure. Second, we'll, we'll go out west, the LeBron James Lakers situation. Given that Bronny could potentially get drafted, I don't think he should. I really don't because I feel like his health is first and foremost there. I feel like he should be playing another year of college and it's just going to do him more stress, I guess, to come into the NBA. But... What do the Lakers do if Bronny makes himself available, if they are picking late in the first round? Do they draft Bronny James to keep LeBron in a Lakers uniform? Or does LeBron go out, test free agency, see what he can do, see where his son lands, and then sign on for them? It'd be interesting. It really will. Because, you know, as of right now, the Lakers aren't winning an NBA title this year. They're not. They probably won't win it next year. They have a lot of room to grow. And if LeBron James probably only has max another year or two left, as good as he is playing, he's still old. So this is a guy that, yeah, it's a it's a situation to watch for sure because they're a team that needs to make some moves to win an NBA title. And how loaded the West is, I don't think they have enough to do that right now. So they are a team to watch not only late in this season, but you know going into the offseason for sure. And then last but not least, it's probably Zion and the Pelicans. Like we said, it's crazy that this team is fifth and no one's talking about them at all. But I feel like if it doesn't work out this season, this could be the last that we see of Zion Williamson in a New Orleans Pelicans jersey. 
It really will. They need to, they're good enough to start making some moves around him, and I feel like a team will want to make a move for him because if you get the right Zion Williamson, you're going to get a very, very, very good basketball player. He was a once-in-a-generation guy, right? So if you can you know, get him, like I said, get him away from the buffer here every chance of, of winning an NBA title with him as a you know, second or third piece. So yeah, thanks for sending those questions through, team. As always, keep flicking them through at Trash Talk with D-Balk on Instagram and TikTok. I love you all. I really do. Thank you so much. Uh, let's go now to some best bets for today's play. See what we got. We got a couple. All right, let's start with uh, a player prop parlay here. We'll go with Nikola Jokic, eight-plus assists today against the Portland Trailblazers with no Jamal Murray. I feel like he's going to get himself going in that one. Then we'll go with Giannis, 25-plus points against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think he either gets matched up against Carl Anthony Towns or Gobert, and I feel like he's he's got enough quickness to, to outplay the, the both of them. He really will, you know. If the Bucs are going to be winning this game, it's, it's going to be on the back of him. And Scotty Barnes, 20-plus points against the Atlanta Hawks in a game that should have plenty of points. Uh, you can get plus 183 there or $2.83 about that one. Then we got another treble. We'll go the New Orleans Pelicans to defeat the Miami Heat. The Pels at home, they're a tough, tough outfit on their home floor, so we're going to go with them. Then we'll take the over 225 in the Minnesota-Milwaukee game. Again, kind of similar to what we said. There's no Chris Middleton in this one, so Dame and Giannis should have themselves a day. And I feel like there's plenty of points to be had there. And speaking of plenty of points, we'll take the over 245 in that Atlanta-Toronto game. Scotty Barnes could have himself a triple-double there every chance. But that is the episode done and dusted. Thank you so much for, for waiting, I guess, the extra day for episode 20. It's much appreciated. We'll be back again on Monday for episode number 21. I hope you all have an amazing weekend. This has been Trash Talk with Ebor. I am out of here.